thank you for joining us for our Christchurch Dunstable podcast. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Christchurch podcast. This is the first in a series of messages about evangelism. This was first done at the men's breakfast back in September 2022. But it's not just for men, this is actually helpful for, for everyone as we consider the world around us and all that kind of thing, especially as we seek to share our faith. This is called Public Faith in a Private Faith World. Now there are many words in our dictionaries and these words increase and decrease in their popularity over time. If you go on the internet and go onto Google Book Ngram, you can search for the popularity of words over a given time and for a laugh I looked up the word Facebook and unsurprisingly, it's only, it's only since 2002, 2003 that it's become very popular. Although curiously, there is a bit of a blip in its popularity around the year 1680 for some reason. And one of the words I looked up was the word identity. On the graph, you'll see if you look it up, that the use of the word identity has grown dramatically over the last 30 to 40 years. On social media and other outlets, we read a lot about embracing our identity, whatever that may be. Our gender identity, our sexual identity, our cultural identity. And the message we are given today, especially to our young people, is you be you. Let your you be seen and celebrate the you that you are. But at the same time, our culture also looks down on that which would threaten the identity of the you that is you. And sadly, this includes looking down upon Christianity that seeks to show us something better than my own identity, but points us to a better identity, that of being made one in Christ. And the message from the culture is that you can have your faith, but keep it quiet. We live in a world where you're celebrated for showing your identity as long as it isn't the wrong kind of identity. So in this message, we're going to think a little bit about displaying public faith in a private faith world. Nowhere in the Bible do we see that we are to hide away our faith and to keep it to ourselves. In the world today, there are areas where there is a wisdom call in doing that. In some countries, it is forbidden to worship King Jesus, and so they meet in secret. Is it wrong to do so? Well, no, not necessarily. But we are in a completely different context, aren't we, in the UK? And the message to us who are able to live out our faith freely comes from the mouth of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The two illustrations Jesus uses to describe how the lives of his followers should be are salt and light, both of which are familiar to us and both of which are important. If you are a Christian today, you are both of those things, and Jesus' concern here is that his salt and light followers are using their salty and lit selves well. In my home, I do most of the cooking, but occasionally my wife Marlies cooks, and when she does, she tends to avoid using salt. And as we all know, too much salt is bad for us. But the right amount of salt is good. And it's good for us and good for the food. There is something lacking in the dish when it's missing. Now, back in the day, salt was used for more than just seasoning. It was used for preserving meat and fish to make sure it stayed good for longer. 
And if you leave a piece of meat out for a time without salting it or curing it, it goes off. If you cook a piece of, if you cook a meal and there's no salt in it, it is clear that something is lacking. And Jesus says that salt loses its saltiness. And if that happens, what is it good for? It loses that flavour-enhancing capacity. It's preserving capacity, and it's only really good for gritting the path with. Now, I'm not going to go into into salt losing its saltiness because Jesus' point and challenge to what to why we should be salty is, is clear. He says that while we are while we are full of faith, we need to use that and make use of it for all the saltiness that it has. We need to be seasoning people's lives as we go out and about. We need to be bringing spiritual preservation to people as we share our faith with them. And the way to do that is to take the salt out of the cupboard and to start to sprinkle it on things. Metaphorically, of course. And I'll come on to that in a moment. But for now, let's consider the example of light. If you are a Christian, you are not only salty, but you're also lit. Jesus said that you are the light of the world. Who? You. Why? Because of Jesus. We know that Jesus is the light of the world who shines in the darkness. And now this same light dwells in us through the Holy Spirit. And with that being the case, and with this in our minds, Jesus presents to us a ridiculous concept, a scenario. He says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Everyone reading that or hearing it can easily understand what Jesus is saying. The room is dark, so you light a lamp. Once the lamp is lit, you don't hide it away. Of course you don't. Why would you do that? It would be of no benefit. The room would still be dark and everyone who was in it would still be in the darkness. The only light in that room would be contained within the bowl. Just like with the salt, Jesus' application and challenge here is that we take what we have, our salt and our light, our Jesus, and actively use it to benefit those around us. To take the salt out of the cupboard to shake it on the food, and the light should come from out from under the bowl, so that the shining of the light who light might be revealed to those who are living in darkness. They might see the situation that they're in, that they might get a scope of the room around them, and that they might live their life because of the revelation of that light. So, how do we let our faith shine out? And how do we show our faith in a world that says we should keep it to ourselves, keep it private? Well, here are three things which I want to share with you that I've learned over time. Number one, gradually. When we share our faith, we need to do so, we need to do so gradually, carefully. Now, I'll stick with the salt and light metaphors for now. The daily recommended, recommended allowance for salt for an adult is an average of six grams. That's roughly one level teaspoon of salt. Now, what would happen if you decided that mealtimes are a cultural construct and no one should dictate the dividing up of your nutrients and minerals in that way, so you decided to eat all of your recommended allowance of salt in one go? You get your spoon, you stick it in your mouth. What would happen? Well, it would be quite unbearable, wouldn't it? You could, you could hardly do it. Now, our teens in church, no, they might have to prove me wrong and I'd love to see that, but it really is horrible to have a spoonful of salt. Your body wants to convulse, it makes you feel sick, your mouth cries out for something to wash, to wash it away. And in the same way with light, often at night, one of my children will wake up and call for daddy because it's too dark or whatever. And, you know, if I turn the light fully on, it's blinding. You want to hide away from the light. It's not nice. But actually, if you reveal a bit of the light, bit by bit, the eyes adjust and it's comfortable. In both of these analogies, too much of the vitally good thing is difficult for the person receiving it to handle. If I go into our church coffee shop, The Way, on Monday morning without any tact or sensitivity and march down the halls pointing at people in their faces, yelling at them, telling them that they're sinners that need Jesus, I'd probably call into the senior pastor's office and, and had a talk to you before I finished my coffee. 
what I said might well be true. They are sinners and they do need a salvation from a wonderful saviour. But you know, the, the delivery is important. When salt and light are both applied carefully and appropriately, they make a huge difference and are incredibly beneficial to those around them. So, listener, my friend, when you head home to your families and to your friendship groups and to your workplaces, take your faith salt out of the cupboard and allow, to, allow yourself to sprinkle some about. Not like I do with my thumbs over the holes pretending, but honestly and truly. This might look as simple as being honest about where you've been on Sunday morning at church or what you were doing the night before, or who you were meeting up with. How, how did it go at church? What did you do? It might be even that you were you were reminded of something in a film that you were watching or a book that you are reading that, that pointed to it. No, in the, in the news these last couple of months have been lost about the Queen's death and that maybe you're struck by the Queen's faith and how, how that could, could be a way to start a conversation or whatever. The first grain of salt to fall, the first ray of light to shine in that room will be the one that lets people know that you are in fact a Christian believer and that that Christian faith has an effect on your day-to-day life. Shine your light gradually and when they are ready, we pray that one day they too will be able to stand in the full light of the gospel. But you've got to reveal it bit by bit, just like your bleary eyes in the morning when you wake up. So we've had gradually. Number two, continually. Keep going. If you've, if, you've ever put, if you've ever pushed a car, you'll understand what I'm saying. Now, the most difficult thing to do when pushing a car is to get the car rolling. A great effort is needed to get that initial momentum going. And the first thing to do is to take the handbrake off. That is you making that decision to tell people about Jesus. If you decide you're just going to not mention it ever, whether consciously or subconsciously, then you're never going to get anywhere, just like you've got your brakes on full when you're pushing a car. But once the handbrake's off, you then do the hard work and you get your shoulder down and start pushing. The car moves slowly at first and begins to rock, but eventually it rolls. And as the car rolls, you find it becomes easier to keep going. The effort needed to maintain the moment, momentum is less than what was needed to actually get it going in the first place. And you may think, hey, I might be able to speed it up here. The hardest part of allowing your private faith to become public is to announce that you're a Christian. It is difficult. There are, there are many things that, that might want to hold us back, or our own handbrake being one of them. But at some point, we need to get going. And once we've allowed people to know that we went to church on Sunday, or that you read a helpful proverb or verse, um, no, you, you've, you're, you're going, you're moving. The car is rolling along, and as you keep going, all being well, it's never that hard again to say something. It's getting past that pain barrier to let people know where you stand, and then once people know that, it makes a bit more sense that your your key identity of being a Christian appears from time to time. Once you've mentioned it, once that first ray of light has been seen, don't put the brakes on again or put the light back under a ball, but allow it to continue to be seen through keeping that aspect of your identity open to those around you. Let them see the light that is in you. Let them hear about your hope. Let them know that there is someone in your life that is there for you in difficult times. And let them know that that person can be there for them as well when they're about to fall apart at disaster. Once you're rolling, Keep on rolling and we pray that when the time is right, your friends will drop the clutch into second gear and their own spiritual engine will be kickstarted into life. Now that's my macho manly way of saying that they become a Christian. And if they do, that's great. And it's partly because you help push them. We've had gradually, continually, and now 
opportunity Make use of the opportunities that come up in life of the church. My role at Christchurch is to help prepare the church for evangelism, which is kind of what I'm doing now in a sneaky way, but also to help provide opportunities for people to get the ball rolling or to, to continue the ball rolling for the light to be seen and to have things to invite your friends to. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is in John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 43 to 51. You can look it up. But in this, we, we see that Jesus has come onto the scene and that his first disciples begin following him. Andrew sees Jesus and then he goes and gets Peter, his brother, to come along. And then we see Jesus call Philip. He says, follow me. And Philip goes and he follows Jesus. And then he goes and finds his friend Nathaniel. And he very simply tells his friend Nathaniel, come and see. Both Nathaniel and Peter were brought to Jesus by a friend or a brother. They didn't have all the answers. They, didn't, they, they simply invited them, them along. And isn't that encouraging? When the ball is rolling, isn't that something that you could do as well? Tell your friend, come and see. We don't know huge amounts about Nathaniel, but we know he followed Jesus. We meet him again at the end of the Gospel of John, and, and it's so good to see him there. And we do know, But we do know a lot about Peter, don't we? And God used him in a mighty way, and it's because his brother Andrew came along and says, come and meet the one that we found. When the opportunity arose, they took it and invited a friend to come along. And those two men got saved because of a friend that allowed their light to be seen and said, come and see. Now, there's always opportunities. There's weekly opportunities on Sunday, isn't there, for church. But as I'm recording this, it's getting towards Christmas time. But there's always opportunities not far away. Uh, and it's really good to make the most of those, to, to see what's coming up and to think, actually, this is going to be a good one to bring a friend to. So let's remember those things, shall we? No. Let your, let your faith be seen gradually, let it be seen continually, and use it opportunitally, that when the time arises, invite people around that they might hear about the good news of Jesus. You don't need to know all the answers, you just need to say, come and see. Let people know who you are, what your identity is, and then as they see your life being lived out, may they rejoice in knowing that there is a Savior that loves them as well. Well, I'm going to pray, and then I'll let you go. Oh dear God, we thank you that we have a glorious gospel to share. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for Jesus who, who helps us in so many, many ways. And we thank you that this is not something just for us. But we can share it with other people too. And Lord, we pray you give us the brave and bravery and the courage to do that so that people might come to know that there is a God that loves them, that can forgive them from their sins because of what Jesus has done. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Stay salt and light, guys. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Christchurch Dunstable podcast. We hope that was helpful to you. And please do get in touch if you'd like more information. Why not visit our website, ccd.church. Christchurch Dunstable, bringing the hope of Christ from the heart of Dunstable.